0: La 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 Hello beautiful people and welcome to MIDI the Podcast, a modern day podcast designed to answer all of your weird and wonderful pregnancy and postpartum questions. I'm your host, Monique Maitland, qualified midwife and nurse, founder of the MIDI Society, and someone who is about to become your personal in-pocket midwife and virtual best friend. The Midi Society is a community-based platform where we interview leading healthcare professionals, new mummers, and everyday people who share with us their experiences and reveal what they wish they knew before becoming a parent. So buckle up for this crazy and exciting ride. I'll be talking all things tits, bits, spew, and poo. Alright, let's get started. Are you struggling to find a comfortable sleep position during your pregnancy? Well, look no further. Today's episode of Midi is proudly brought to you by Sleepy Belly, your ultimate sleep solution. Are you worried about rolling onto your back or is the constant tossing and turning keeping you up at night? Sleepy Belly's three-piece adjustable support pregnancy pillow is here to transform your sleep. Designed to provide comfort and support for expecting mothers, Sleepy Belly ensures a deeper, more restful sleep. Say goodbye to those uncomfortable nights, Sleepy Belly's unique design caters to your back, side and tummy, offering a personalized sleep experience. And here's the best part. Sleepy Belly's adjustable width grows with your belly, adapting to each stage of your pregnancy. It's a maternity pillow that finally fits seamlessly into your bed. Don't miss out on the sleep you deserve. Grab your Sleepy Belly today at www.sleepybelly.com.au and use our exclusive discount code MIDI10 for 10% off your order. Happy sleeping! In today's episode, I speak with Charlotte Kelly about her DCDA twin pregnancy. This means that her twins had separate placentas and amniotic sacs, which categorises them as a low-risk twin pregnancy. Char faced her own fertility challenges, including two chemical pregnancies, before deciding to consult a fertility specialist. And following from her fertility investigations, she was pleasantly surprised to find out she was pregnant with not only one baby, but two. In today's episode, we delve into the various aspects of twin pregnancy, including how Shah's plan elective c section unexpectedly transformed into an empowering twin vaginal birth. Yep, it was a shock to us all. Uh, Shah and I both aim for this episode to cast, hopefully, a positive spotlight on twin pregnancies and the potential that you can still have an empowering vaginal birthing experience. Please welcome the lovely Shah. Hello everyone, welcome back to Midi. It's been a few weeks since we've had an episode but I am refreshed, recharged and definitely ready to deliver some pretty special podcast episodes in the coming weeks. I just want to say a big thank you to all my listeners, um, you guys are honestly amazing and thank you so much for being patient and waiting for this episode but so glad to be back in your ears and deliver some yeah, exciting episodes in the next coming weeks so stay tuned. Uh, a little bit of a recap over the last few weeks for me, what has been happening, I did my first perineal repair which I think on the podcast last time I said that I was starting to learn how to do. That um, which is wild. So yes, repaired my first perineum, which was exhilarating, nerve-wracking. But I felt so, so, so proud of myself and so excited after that. I know it's a funny thing to be excited about, but honestly, just getting that first uh, repair done is daunting. uh, (laughs) But I definitely left feeling work that day like I had done a really great job so I was very very happy with myself and um, my birth classes have been really really busy too so if you are looking into a birthing class um, I would definitely try and book sooner rather than later because my spaces and classes are becoming fully booked which is amazing uh, but yes I would love the opportunity to educate you if you would choose me to be an educator hopefully I see you there. So just head to my website to book and secure your spot today. Uh, Anyway, that's enough about me. That's a little recap. Time to get into today's episode with the lovely Shah. Hello everyone and welcome back to Midi the Podcast. Today is a super exciting episode and I'm joined by the lovely Shah Kelly. So Shah, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, So my name is
1: Charlotte Kelly. I am 30 years old, turning 31 in just a few weeks. I live with my partner, Ben, my soon-to-be husband. We're getting married at the end of the year. So um, in the midst of having (laughs) twins, we are planning a wedding. So we are a bit crazy. Um, We also moved into our first home this year. So 2023 has been a very big year for us. Um, Huge. And yeah, in May 2023, we uh, welcomed our beautiful twin girls, uh, Rosie and Matilda.
0: So amazing. And yeah, what is with like pregnant women or women who have, you know, little newborns deciding to do crazy things like move into a house, go and plan a wedding. You're insane. But also how special that you have three month old twins. It's amazing. And I did get to play a very, very minuscule role in that with trying to help you prepare but we will touch on why things sort of maybe didn't go as planned as what we thought. Sha, probably taking us back, do you want to tell us a little bit about your fertility journey and sort of when did you and Ben decide that, hey, yep, maybe we are ready to start a family?
1: Yeah, for sure. So we bought our first home, which we're currently living in, in June, 2020, um, in the middle of lockdown and we bought off the plan. So it was going to take what we thought at the time, a year to build um, mm-hmm. and then, it ended up taking two and a half years. But basically when we bought the house, um, me and Ben are both really organised with big planners. So for us, um, we were like, cool, we've got a year kind of to save, move into a home. And then we'll think about starting a family. We always knew we were going to start a family. Like it was always a matter of when and, and not if. Um, and then we actually got engaged November 2021. And that was when we decided to start trying um, for a baby. We kind of always knew we wanted to have a baby before getting married um it just seemed like more of a priority for us we just really wanted baby um first and also I had a lot of friends and my sister um struggle with infertility issues so I think for us that also um didn't necessarily fast track but it was always in the back of our minds so we just didn't know how long the process would take and we kind of thought Mm -hmm. yeah if it happens straight away we're not in our house but we'll figure it out and if it takes a bit longer then you know um we've just got time so we started trying November 2021
0: And how did that conception journey go?
1: When we started our conception journey, I guess we were both a little bit um, naive in that we were really hopeful it would happen straight away. We really didn't um, foresee any issues. I had a really regular cycle. I kind of could always tell when I was ovulating. My period was really regular. Um, And yeah, it got to about the three, four month mark and I had a chemical pregnancy Mm -hmm. Um, so for those, I guess, who don't know, um, I'll just really quickly. So, um, I was a few days late for my period. I did a pregnancy test, tested positive, um, went and did a blood test. And basically, yeah, when I got the blood test results back, they said, um, yes, you're pregnant, but the HCG levels are really low. Um, it's really unlikely that it will be a successful pregnancy. And then, yeah, a few days later I bled, um, just like Mm -hmm. a regular period. So, um, that was, really um, confusing for me at the time. I never actually heard of a chemical pregnancy and I didn't really understand why it was called chemical and different to, you know, when it goes into the clinical phase or it's considered a a pregnancy. So, um, yeah, it was a bit confusing and a little bit um, sad, but at the same time we were like, oh, something's happening, you know, um, hopefully we're not too far away. So, yeah, yeah, I just um, bled essentially like a normal period and then I was able to start trying from the next month again. Um, so we kept yeah. going and then maybe about four months after that um, I had another one so I had a second chemical pregnancy um, and that mm. time again was just yeah really confusing and I think yeah we we're about eight eight nine months in then so it was kind of nothing was really happening and it was starting to really weigh us down a little bit um,
0: yeah and
1: yeah it was really hard and and I was having a lot of conversations with friends and yeah um, feeling really low at that time and then I after my second chemical pregnancy I spoke to my sister and she recommended an amazing fertility doctor in Brighton so I reached out to him because you know by then I'd done every blood test under the sun um yeah Ben had done a couple of um, sperm checks, and you know I was doing acupuncture. I was seeing a naturopath. I was trying to do everything in my power to pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I stopped drinking. Um, you know we were yeah. both really healthy. We were on all these supplements and vitamins, and just trying to do everything we could to have a baby. Um, and yeah, so then I kind of thought, yeah, I'm going to see a doctor at the nine month mark, um, and he was great. He Pretty much on my first appointment, he gave me a checklist of about 10 things and was like, right, I want you to go and do all of these things and then come back to me and we'll see where we go from here. And he handed me the checklist and I was like, oh, I've actually already done all of these things. It was all the blood tests and, you know, the sperm check and all that kind of stuff. So he was like, right, okay, this is good because I know where you're at then um yeah because some couples come in and haven't yeah done any of this stuff this is a really good base to start from and basically yeah he was like let's get you in for a laparoscopy surgery um we'll flush your tubes um and we'll have a look in there as well just to just to have a look around so um I didn't waste any time basically when he said that he said we can book it in you know next week or next month and I just said let's do it straight away um yeah. i was gonna do it a week later but then he contacted me two days later and was like we've had an opening if you want to make it work and for me at that time in my cycle it still meant that i could try that month and i was at that stage where i just didn't want to waste any more time i just wanted to get it done so my work were really great they were really understanding so i had a few days off um and yeah I had the laparoscopy and then um when i got my results back it was really interesting um he had said that when he put the camera inside um, after flushing or before flushing the tubes um, he had seen it was facing my bladder and he had seen endometriosis all over my bladder Um, and he in the room apparently was saying oh no Charlotte has endometriosis which was a surprise for everyone I think because I never showed signs Um, yeah and then when he turned the camera around it wasn't anywhere on my tubes which was really bizarre because it's a really small percentage in women who can just have it on their bladder so um, it was really good. They were successfully able to remove all of the endometriosis, which was, yeah, great to hear because when I came out, I was in the fog of, you know, coming out of yeah. um, being general, under. Yeah. yeah, the general. I was saying, um oh, you know... Uh, How'd it go? And he said, um, "Yeah, there was endometriosis in your bladder." And I said, "Oh, is that why I'm not getting pregnant? You know, because um, I came out of the fog and I was just, yeah, a bit emotional." And he said, mm. "Well, we can't say for certain, but we were able to get rid of rid of all of it. So yeah. that's pretty positive." Before going in for laparoscopy, that was when he had mentioned clomid to me, and I'd heard of clomid before because my sister um, had been on it as well. Um, so. Yeah. He had asked me what I knew about it um, then, and I guess um, again for anyone who doesn't know what clomid is, um, it can do two things. So it can help women who don't naturally ovulate ovulate. I'll um, bring it on, and it can also, um, when you do ovulate, release multiple eggs just to give you a, a higher chance of, of conceiving. Yeah. Um, and for me, my ovulation was really good, um, but well. I say really good, but in saying that I hadn't fallen pregnant for nine months, so I don't really know. But I could always tell when I was <laughs> ovulating, when I would do a stick, it would have a smiley face. And I could—I had all the signs, the natural signs as well, of knowing when I was ovulating. But, yeah, he had said that he wanted to put me on Clomid. And I remember sort of seeing my sister about it and she was like, oh, are you sure? Um, you know, because for her case, she had to use it um, to help ovulation and I was the other end where I was kind yeah. of using it to have um Really release multiple eggs and obviously it can really play on your hormones and I'm quite a sensitive and emotional person anyway so um yeah I think my sister's really looking out for me and she was like oh you sure you want to do it and I thought you know I'll just give it a go I'll see how I feel for a couple of months and if yeah I I don't think I'll um use it for too much if if I don't take to it very well because yeah. I was really um, conscious of my mental health and how I'd feel yeah. um, And probably
0: you were already in a lower state of mind given 30 years old fit healthy you've been trying for a few months now and nothing was working and now you're going to a fertility specialist how did that make you feel
1: it's hard when you're trying to get pregnant and you're dealing with some infertility struggles every for me personally I found when I could because I'm such a planner and I'm such a doer I think when I had Something, you know, whether it would be my first naturopath appointment or my first proactive, you know, acupuncture or something, I always had a bit of positivity. Like I was like, I'm doing something that um, yeah. is helping. So hopefully, you know, this is it. And I always just went in with a bit of a positive mindset. And I think when yeah. I got to that stage where I was like, yep, I'm going to see a fertility doctor, um, for me, it was just another thing that I could go and get some advice. And, you know, at this yeah. time it was the doctor so was a bit more serious it was professional advice um and I really that was why I was so keen to do the laparoscopy straight away because I just wanted them to have a look and just see what was happening because I think after the second chemical pregnancy I was a bit like oh what's happening why yeah. why are these embryos forming and not sticking and and um yeah so I did feel really positive after the surgery um and yeah. I think the result was really good and they were able to remove the endometriosis. And, you know, he said that my tubes were looking really good and showed me pictures and that just gave me a bit of second wind um, or third yeah. wind, I guess, to keep going.
0: Yeah. Fast forwarding to taking the Clomid.
1: Yes. So after my laparoscopy, I tried to um, conceive naturally one more time. Um, and then I thought if that doesn't work and my period comes, then I'll start taking the Clomid just because you have to take it um, over when you have your period. So mm. I didn't conceive that month. Um, and then when my period came, I thought, right, okay, I'll, I'll give this a go. Um, and, yeah, we were incredibly lucky. Um, the first time we took the Clomid, um, that was when we fell pregnant with our twin girls. So um, I think, you know, the tube flush um, and, yeah, mixed with the Clomid I think obviously had just helped for us, um, which was yeah. really, really good and we were so um yeah, incomplete shock when we found out, but um, it too? But um, yeah, we were incredibly lucky. So it was that, that month um, I conceived when I first started, started taking the Clomid.
0: And I was going to ask you, so obviously we knew the potential chances of conceiving twins and, you know, they might've discussed that when they recommended the Clomid because you're releasing more eggs, potentially more eggs fertilized, more embryos. How did you actually react when you found out that you were having twins?
1: Yeah. So you're so right. So it's always a possibility. We always knew it was a possibility to have multiples. Um, and my number one question that everyone asks me since having twins is, are there twins in the family? And yes, I do have a lot of twins on my side. And um, we actually found out after having, um, telling our family that we were pregnant with twins, that they're also on Ben's side. But um, mm. yeah, my uh, great grandmother had 13 children and two sets of twins. So it's definitely in the family. But in saying that, considering how long, um, like, that, you know, we had nine months of 9 to 10 months of not um successfully falling pregnant naturally um mm-hmm. and then taking the clomid and then having twins i can probably say that it was most likely the clomid i don't know but um and we'll never know but yeah um when i was uh Given advice to take Clomid, I had to sign a waiver, basically saying that I'm aware that it could lead to a multiple pregnancy. And then when I told Ben that, you know, because we obviously had a conversation around it, and at that stage, because you know we'd been trying for a while and not having much luck for us, we were just like, if it's one baby, we'll be so happy. You know, like you just want to, you're all in. You're just kind of like, you know, we don't know the outcome of this. We just want to, you know, increase our chances as much as we can. So yeah, let's let's do this. And obviously Mm -hmm. as well, we. And the back of my mind's had like, you know, if this doesn't work, what's our next plan type thing. So it was just yeah. everything that we were trying at the moment was just one little thing to hopefully get us closer to having our baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so when we found out, so I found out I was pregnant quite early, obviously, because I was actively trying to get pregnant. Um and me and ben actually had a trip around new zealand planned so we were going for a wedding so we had to keep it a really big secret um with all our friends because we we're in that stage where it's too early to tell our family but we knew when we got back from new zealand it would be the perfect time um in saying that as well i couldn't do my dating scan around the time that you would normally do a dating scan so i had to mm. wait a bit longer which for me would killed me a little bit i tried to see if i could do it in new zealand but um it was just too hard with the, the different medical systems and yeah um everything else so um we yeah just enjoyed our holiday kept it a real big secret and then funnily enough the whole time we were over there kept being like I think it's twins I think we're gonna have twins and I was like stop saying that you know like we will be so happy we'll be so lucky if um we have one baby out of this you know and I think I was always not skeptical but I was just really nervous I think um
0: mm.
1: we're in that first trimester um especially because we had two chemical pregnancies before we were waiting a long time well, not a long time, but for us it felt like a long time. It was kind of that nine-week mark. We had the dating scan. I was just, yeah, really hopeful that we'd have one healthy heartbeat. Um, And, yeah, when we got home, we had told our family. um, Basically, we got back on a weekend and we just told them um, that we were pregnant, but we said, oh, please, you know, we haven't had a scan yet, so we just don't know, um, you know, how it's going to go. But we just want to tell you that we're pregnant. And um, then... So they all were really over the moon and so happy and, you know, happy for us. And then when we had the dating scan, we went to, which is probably a regret I had. I wish I didn't, if I was to be pregnant again, which I don't know if I ever will be. But if I do, I um, will definitely do this a bit differently. Um, I went to one of those kind of clinical ultrasound clinics um, where you go, you know, if you break your arm or, or something like that. Oh, it wasn't yeah. Doing.
0: Not like a specialised obstetric one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Basically, when we were in the room, it was a really strange experience because we were really excited. But um, the ultrasound technician was very quiet and she was quiet for a very long time. Didn't really speak much to us when we walked in the room. Um, and then when she was looking during the, during the ultrasound was really just quiet the whole time and not speaking much to us. So we didn't really know what was happening. And, of course, my heart rate was through the roof. I was really, really nervous. Um, Like I had said to her, oh, is everything okay? And she said, you know, just give me a moment. You know, I'll be with you in a moment. Still, you know, playing with the ultrasound um, wand. And then she kind of went out to the browser and there was a drop down for fetuses and she put two. And me and Ben just looked at each other and then I looked back at her and was like, oh, my gosh, she's is there two? And she said, no, just give me a moment. Just give me a moment. And we just didn't really know what was, yeah, going on. Going on. And then, um, she said, oh, and just here, and she pointed to the screen and said, there's your heartbeat. And so I started crying immediately because I was so relieved. Um, yeah. and then, um, she had said, it, it was a bit of a fog, but she said, you know, are there twins in the family? And, um, she said, cause there's another heartbeat just there. And then she moved and that was the two. And Ben just burst out laughing, um, I think it was that <laughs> realisation. he was right and, yeah, there were twins. And um, he was just hysterically laughing and I was crying um, and there was a lot of oh, my God <laughs> and oh, my God. Um, and, yeah, but it was just so, such a strange experience because it was about five, six minutes in that that happened. Um, mm. And then it was obviously such a nice moment. It was such a relief. We just felt so much relief. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, when we left the ultrasound room, we gave each other a massive hug and were just so over the moon, but also in complete disbelief still. It was a lot of, yeah, again, oh my gods and twins and can't believe it. And then we got to the front doors of the clinic and did it again, (laughs) hugged again (laughs) Oh my god! And then we got to the car park and did it again because um, yeah. we just had like a few seconds or minutes in between where we were trying to process it all, and then it was just like, oh my god, I can't believe this. And I was also in a lot of disbelief because I just couldn't believe, um, yeah, that it, it the that it had worked essentially that uh, you know mm-hmm. the climate and the laparoscopy for me I was really skeptical like I was like yep it's a step that I'm gonna do to help get yeah. pregnant but that, the fact that it was successful for me I think um because we were starting to think about IVF and, and doing a bit more um if this didn't work out and I think I was already in that headspace um because yeah. I was trying not to get my hopes up so much so mm. yeah it was um it was so so nice and then that night we did not get any sleep at all we was constantly like are you awake yep right away and then you know <laughs> what are you thinking about and then I was like I'm thinking about this is literally the first night I'll never forget it I was like I'm thinking about the fact that we bought a two-story house and how am I going to get two babies like what am I going to do if one we're going to get them downstairs and get them upstairs like how am I going to carry them do I leave one upstairs and go get the other one and it's just so funny to think of back now but I was just thinking of all the logistics of two like how is this going to work you know
0: classic plan of brain like yeah you.
1: Yeah, crazy. Um, and then it was, it was really so nice beautiful. We kind of got to surprise our family a second time because um, we'd already told them we we're pregnant. And that was a lovely surprise, and then yeah, we got to tell them again. Oh, we're actually having twins. So um, that mm. was a really beautiful, beautiful surprise for them
0: so amazing such a great story and so happy for you guys once you found out you were having twins obviously you're the type of person that you wanted as much education advice all those things as you could gather how did you sort of prepare for your labor and birth or more so before we jump into that once you went to your hospital appointments how did they look in terms of deciding what sort of mode of birth would you want to take yeah, so I pretty early on had
1: my first midwife appointment um, and, yeah, they, there was always no rush to pick what um, type of birth that I wanted. They were kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. just wait and see how you go. Um, they never, if anything, um, where I had the girls and they were really supportive of a natural birth, they were actually kind of advocating for a natural birth if I could qualify because obviously um you with twins you have to kind of meet the criteria to be able to have a natural birth and that is your baby A um, must head down down, yep and bigger than B so they need to be a bigger size and yeah head down and engaged Um, and yes that was always always the steps um, there and I think um, sort of from about 21 weeks rosie was our baby a and she um was always head down from the get-go and she was always the bigger twin so i i did qualify for having a natural birth if i wanted one um yeah. the thing that made the decision quite easy for us i think is because um to have an elective cesarean was because matilda was transverse so she was laying horizontal horizontally across my ribs Um, And so they had told me that it was very likely she would um, be breached and would probably result in a cesarean. So for me and Ben, um, the decision was really quite easy. Um, I didn't Mm. want two recoveries. I didn't want to have a vaginal and then a um, C-section recovery. So um, for me, I just went, yep, let's just do a C-section. But yeah, like all the doctors were really um, supportive and they did actually a few appointments leading towards the end of my pregnancy, I think, because I had such a great pregnancy. Um, it was really smooth. They really wanted to push me to 38 weeks. Um, mm. Everything was looking really good. They In, the first, in those 30 weeks, they were like, um, you know, if you want to have a natural, we can still do it. Like, you know, kind of saying like we can do natural, we can do natural. But for me, by that stage, I was like, oh, no, I think – considering Tilly was still um, transverse so she had moved um, maybe Mm. but for me I was just yeah it's nerve-wracking anyway planning your birth um, I think and thinking through what you want to do but yeah with two I was just a bit like oh I think um, yeah I want to try and do a recovery that's one one kind of recovery not two different types Um, yeah and then I
0: think people don't often realize that like Already there's not that much information out there for women who opt for a vaginal birth with twins just because there are more risks and I feel like people will elect for the elective caesarean because it minimises those risks. Yeah. Anyway, just like in your situation and people don't realise that, yep, you can have a completely normal vaginal birth for the first baby, but depending on where that twin is for the second one, um, they can either be delivered breech or they may need some assistance to you know be rotated pulled down by a vacuum or forceps and then there's always the chance that they may not tolerate that and you might have to go for an emergency cesarean after that so those two different modes of recovery is certainly potentially there
1: Yeah, definitely. In terms of preparing as well, um, obviously, as you know, um, we reached (laughs) out to you um, because we were having, obviously, yeah, a twin birth and by then we Mm. decided we wanted to do a caesarean. And, yeah, so we knew that we were having a twin birth caesarean. I really struggled, and I think we'll probably touch on this later, but um, for me, I was trying to get a lot of info, I guess, I really wanted to hear other people's twin stories and mm. I couldn't find any Australian podcasts or anything um, that I really connected with. And I, I think for me, I go on a lot of walks. I really wanted to just like listen to lots of podcasts. I was listening to lots of yeah. birth stories, of single pregnancies, but I couldn't really connect um, to twins and everyone's so different. I know that a lot of um, people who have twins absolutely um, want to have a natural and that's amazing. And I think um, for me, as well. I don't know if this is a is clearly not a factor, but at the time when I was pregnant, all the women in my family too um, didn't have really good natural births. So, um, like, mm-hmm. I was breached from my mum, my sisters both had really tricky natural births. And so, I think for me with twins, I was like, oh, when you hear the words high risk, I was kind of, you know, although I was the lowest risk of the high risk, I was just a little bit. Um, yeah, like let's go through the caesarean. So we reached out to you, Mon, um, obviously, Mm -hmm. and you did our amazing private birthing class where you kind of tailored a twin caesarean birth um, for us and came to our house and did that with us, which was amazing, um, and we loved that. So, yeah, we felt um, really, I guess, empowered after that to know what, you know, to expect. (laughs) They (laughs) both happens. Um, Yeah, so we... um, it was really good because then when it came to the birth, which we will get to, um, even though it didn't go to plan, which um, <laughs> births don't go to plan, um, we it was still really good because we still there were so many things that still came across from that yeah. from that birthing. Close. Yeah,
0: and that's probably the hardest thing, and why I was like, "Oh, I really want you to come on and share your story," because I feel like you rode this roller coaster, which many twin mums. Right, And especially for a first-time mum with twins, it's very different to, a you know, a woman that's had a baby before and now is pregnant with twins. Mm. Like it's a higher risk pregnancy again in itself being a first-time mum because your body's never laboured before given yeah. birth. Um, and people may not realise that. So I guess you reached out to me. I was like, absolutely, I can help you. Look after twins all the time. I've been there to support women through like vaginal birth twins and more so elective caesarean twins. And so tailored this course for your elective caesarean and then do you want to explain sort of what happened and how your labour and birth progressed? So, yeah, so it was a regular um, Sunday night, I
1: guess. Me and Ben <laughs> were watching um, Netflix. We went to bed about nine o'clock. Um, I was 36 weeks and one day and Yeah, we just did like the normal bedtime things, you know, brushed our teeth, went to the toilet, got to bed. And then 15 minutes as we were falling asleep um, passed, I felt the baby's kick, and Ben had already drifted off to sleep. And I was, you know, having a moment with the babies, feeling them kick. And then I felt um, baby A, who was actually little Rosie, who's with me now, um, she did a big kick. And I never really felt her kick often throughout my pregnancy. I mean, I probably did, but because she was quite low, um, I always felt Tilly Mm. moving a lot more, um, and I felt her do a big kick, and then I felt a gush of fluid, and to be honest, if I hadn't have just been to the toilet, I probably would have ignored it, um, because by Mm. then I was just full of fluid, I was, you know, wetting myself a little bit, my pelvic floor wasn't very strong, um, and no, so I thought, okay, I'm going to just get up and just check, so, um, Mm. I got up and had a look and like I make it sound like it was a lot of fluid. It definitely wasn't like a water breaking feeling or
0: anything like that. It wasn't, didn't feel any different. So for me, I wasn't wasn't the Hollywood gush that everyone talks about, which I always say to women, that's not really a thing. Yeah, no. And um,
1: I definitely didn't think it would have been early labor, but I checked my um, maternity pad and went to the bathroom and it was um, a light pink color, which I don't think we had spoken about in our birthing class.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I guess the thing for our birth class that we did was specific to elective caesarean. So exactly. not so much for when you go into labor. No, exactly. I mean, they were laughing because um, <laughs> we were laughing because when we were in the hospital, after we had them,
1: you would just put up an Instagram post without knowing oh. that we were see our twins. And it was like, what does the pink fluid mean? And so anyway, I found this pink fluid and I didn't feel any different, but I was a bit like, Oh, it's a bit abnormal. It was a very light pink. So it wasn't like, you know, um, the way I describe it is like a fairy floss super duper pink that really, really light. Um, yeah. And it wasn't a lot of it. So I didn't know if it was anything to worry about, um, but I woke Ben up anyway and I just, and he was in a complete, he was like, what's going on? Cause he was in such a deep sleep by then. And I said, Oh, look, I don't know if it's um, anything worth worrying about, but do you think I should call the hospital? Because I was, I'm a bit too nice. and I think I just was really conscious not to bug the um hotline for the midwives I was always like oh I don't want to you know if anything was happening which is silly I should just always call if I was ever in doubt and I um Ben was like call them you're 36 weeks pregnant with twins they'll tell you if you're being over the top or a bit dramatic so um yeah I called them and so he just started packing the car while I was on the phone um and she said look don't don't rush but yeah it sounds like you've gone into labor Um, which I was just so shocked by because, again, I didn't feel any different. And she just said, look, pack your bag, bring your support person, um, bring your pad as well. Like we'll assess it when we get in and we'll just make sure that, yeah, you're actually in labour. But it sounds like it's getting moving. So, yeah, come into the hospital. So that was about 9.30 at this stage. And then by the time we got to the hospital, it was at 10.30. And when we got there, she took a look at my pad and said, yep, you've gone into labour. We're going to put you in a birthing suite. And... It was funny, like on the drive-in, so on the drive to the hospital, um, we put on like a very relaxing playlist. I had a little baby playlist anyway going that I had in my pregnancy with all these like chilled music, chilled um, songs. And yeah, we were listening to that and we were like, this could be it, this could be it. But I was like, oh, I bet you it's, you know, let's not get too excited. I think it's going to be, if anything, it'll be like the start of a long journey or process um and then on the way to the hospital i said to ben oh, i think something's happening because i was starting to get period cramps um not intense but like again i was just breathing a lot more doing some deep breathing and then um yeah when they said yep you've moved to labor we'll put you in the birthing suite again we kept looking at each other to being like oh my god it's happening you know it was kind of that feeling um and then when we were in the room we kind of yeah got all our stuff set up and The doctor came in really casually and just said, hi, you know, um, I know you're planning an elective caesarean. We've actually got someone in theatre at the moment, so there's going to be a little bit of a delay. Um, We'll assess you in the meantime, um, let you know kind of where you are in the queue, I guess. Um, And he's like, this is your room. You can get comfy here. We'll just keep you updated as it goes. And we're like, yeah, no worries. Met a couple of our midwives. And then, um, yeah, he assessed me. And (laughs) that was... they use a speculum? I don't think he did. Or if he did, I didn't see him do it um, mm. because I had, like, the sheet. I had a yeah thing over me. Um, but, yeah, he assessed me. And then when he came up, his face had completely changed. And he looked to the midwives that were in the room and just said, right, um, we need to get moving. Charlotte's eight centimetres dilated. Um, and, yeah, we need it. We need to get going. And um, I – it was – so overwhelming um because then all of a sudden like four other people walked into the room and yeah they were putting a drip in me and it was all very go 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 um mm. and I and then one midwife came in and said we're gonna have your babies tonight and I just burst into tears because I was I was in such shock me and Ben looked at each other Ben didn't know what eight centimeters meant um and so yeah but he could tell the sense of urgency and I just started crying because I was like oh my god it's actually happening you know this is this it's yeah, so, so, so um, close yeah, and within 10 minutes I was wheeled down to theatre. So they didn't waste any time and it was in the elevator on the way down that the doctor said to me, look, um, Charlotte, because you are eight centimetres um, and, you know, I could feel ahead. Um, Rosie might be, well, he didn't say Rosie, but he said baby A, um, might be too far down the canal and you might have to have a natural um, delivery. And I said, yeah, whatever's safest in that moment. It was just so overwhelming. I just completely trusted all the... Um, medical professionals because I'm not a medical professional in any kind of way. So I just said, yeah, whatever, let's, let's, whatever you advise me to do, that's fine. Um, so yeah, Ben got scrubbed up and then before we got wheeled in, we went to a room kind of before the theatre room. You would probably know. What yeah, it's it like the behind. holding bay. Yeah. Check
0: you in, make sure they've got the right patient, all those things.
1: Yeah. And I met so many people, which was just a whirlwind. I was like, I'm not going to get any names. But um, yeah, then yeah, got scrubbed up. We got wheeled into there and they told me I would be having a caesarean. So they said, yep, we're going to put the spinal in. And <laughs> um, so I had a spinal and at that stage I was like, cool, I'm having caesarean. And then um, they assessed me one last time before going in, and they, the doctor, it was a different doctor this time, and she said, "I can see your head. We need to push. Like Charlotte's fully dilated. Let's go. We need to do it." So we we're in that room, and it was just go time. So then they, yeah, strapped me up every contraction. Um, it was really hard because, like, I don't, I don't know, um, I don't know anyone who's had a spinal and had to push, but. Um, and I don't know mm. what an epidural feels like, but I could not feel anything from my boobs yeah. down. So I had to then push, which is really hard to do when you can't feel anything.
0: Absolutely. So and they- as a first time mum that's never pushed before and now all your, if people don't realise what a spinal is, basically it's a type of analgesia that will completely block all your pain receptors, all like, you, you can't move or feel anything from about your, under your breastline down to your feet so if someone said lift your leg you can't lift your leg at all
1: yeah so yeah.
0: to you know when you have a contraction that's when you're supposed to push and for a first time mum, that you probably didn't even realize that you were really having contractions at this this whole time No. so you weren't probably paying too much attention to them which is just insane yeah um to then be told all right it's time to push it's really really hard absolutely and um it's
1: funny because I kept apologising to all the staff and Ben kept being like, stop apologising, Charlotte, because with every push I just felt like I was not doing anything, like I was really trying, mm-hmm. you know, but I just felt like I couldn't, um, yeah, I was just not doing the right thing. Um, so they kept telling me, you know, picture yourself doing a poo and I was like, yeah. you "Can picture it, but I can't do the feeling. <laughs> like, um, And then after about 20 minutes, half an hour, um, they said, right, we're going to play tug-of-war with the midwife. So mm. they got a towel and um, I had two other midwives like hoisting me up um, with each contraction into that sort of like push position where you can bring yourself up off the bed. And um, I would play tug-of-war with – um my midwife who was absolutely amazing I had the most beautiful midwife with me in the room called Lara so shout out to Lara from Mana she's listening um but (laughs) she was insane um just so beautiful and yeah really guided me through it and we played tug of war for a good half hour and then Rosie Rosie came out so um yeah she came out and after an hour of pushing um that's amazing which at the time like I said I kept apologizing I felt like it was probably a really long time because I couldn't Feel anything, but um, the doctors were really um, had told us afterwards oh. that that was amazing. And Ben was saying you should have seen the look on their faces while you were doing it because um, they were really impressed. Like I think with a smile wow. an hour is meant to be really it's really yeah. good. Apparently, first I- time
0: I- mum, up to two hours pushing is normal. But I guess the whole fact that you walked in your eight centimeters, you're a first time mum with twins. Like I know ex- I can just sense. feeling in the room when that doctor did that examination was like oh god yep here we go one because you know they want to obviously meet your birth preferences which is a cesarean but two it's also you've got prem babies so 36 weekers. we need neonatal doctors there we pretty much need double sets of everything for twins and that's why your
1: class was so good for us because we had that um knowledge going into it. So having all those people in the room, there was just so many people around. And mm. um it wasn't so overwhelming for me because I was expecting it. So um yeah. that was really, really good because you would obviously yeah talked us through it. You talked around the machines that it would go into like, you know, everything that was going to happen afterwards too, which that was all very similar mm. um with the twins and being assessed. Um and they told me prior to pushing, just as I was going in, they said, look, be prepared. Um Matilda might just be two kilo and Rosie a little bit more Again, they weren't saying names, they were saying baby B and baby A, but um, they were just saying prepare for them to be quite small. Um, And that was another really big surprise is when um, they came out because they were actually really good, good weight. And no one was (laughs) expecting that either.
0: And for twins, often when we're monitoring them, so did they put a fetal scalp electrode on twin A?
1: yes so
0: so yeah and we wouldn't have spoken about that because you know we were tailored to an elective cesarean and normally so if a woman is having a vaginal twin birth or striving for one often the first twin so twin a with their head down will have a fetal scalp electrode placed on the top of their head so we definitely know we're monitoring that twin's heart rate and then the abdominal transducer will be on twin b just so it's it's easy for us is that on their head when they're when they're coming out
1: though, or when once they're already yeah when when you're pushing? So,
0: yeah, so when we they insert it by a vaginal examination. Okay. And then once bub's head's coming out, they take it straight off. Oh, so okay. once once Rosie would have come up to you, she it would have been off her head.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense because like I don't remember seeing one, but then they probably absolutely did because I only yeah. had one monitoring Tilly.
0: Yeah, and then. Obviously, they were sort of setting you up for a caesarean, but if, you know, you had come in and you were four centimetres and they were like, we've got more time, do you want to go for the vaginal birth, they would have organised an epi, often tertiary hospitals or, you know, because they're the ones doing these twin births, (laughs) baby so (laughs) cute they would recommend an epidural so the potential after the first baby if there was any complications with the second obviously you're comfortable and if they had to manually rotate or do any sort of instrumental delivery or go for an emergency cesarean there's no delay you're already set up with your pain relief option yeah um so obviously they sort of had set you up for potentially the caesarean and yeah, you had the spinal block. So Rosie came out and was in good condition and how amazing was that?
1: Yeah, it was, it was so amazing. Um, and yeah, they kind of put on <laughs> her, rubbed her back and then she let up this big cry. Um, this is Rosie here in front of me, but yeah, she, it was just such a beautiful moment. Um, mm. And yeah, so they, while Rosie was on my chest, so they obviously put, um, got her a warm and brought her over and Ben was able to um, cut, a bit of the cord and everything and then while that was all happening they were actually um pulling tilly out feet first so that was happening um while we were kind of taking rosie in and then um it's really sweet like because at the moment at the time i really felt it and a midwife said to me afterwards i can really tell you're a twin mum because she said although you were so happy to see your first baby and, and rosie you were you couldn't relax you were really waiting for the second baby to come and to hear her as well, mm-hmm. um, which was really true because I, I it was such a beautiful moment. Me and Ben were in tears and it was just so lovely, but I really, really couldn't relax until they were both out. Um, and six minutes yeah. later, yeah, they pulled Tilly out first. Um, so she was breech. She was breech. And, um, again, incredibly lucky um, for me because I didn't tear. Um, and I think when I got given the spinal, I was thinking, oh, yeah, okay, they're going to – they think – I'm going to probably either have a caesarean or I'm, I just was open to any outcome really. I thought, Oh, this is going to be a part of recovery. But yeah, I was incredibly, incredibly lucky that I didn't tear with her um, being breech, but yeah, she came out. Um, she was a lot smaller. She was a lot smaller than Rosie when she first came out, like we could really tell, but at the same time, she was still a really good weight. She was 2.7. So um, mm. again, she surprised everyone in the room because they thought she was only going to be two kilos. So yeah, um, and then when she let out a big cry, it was just, yeah, a really amazing moment. And having them both on our on my chest and and Ben there. It was just, yeah, it was so we couldn't believe it when they were here. We just honestly couldn't believe it. Cause it was three hours from when I first woke Ben up to then having them that they were in the world. And I wasn't even that, sure that I was in a Labour. So um, yeah, it was just it surprised us. It surprised it was just surprising everyone, really. <laughs>
0: yeah you messaged me and it certainly surprised me and I thought like I'd failed you because my class was nothing to do with vaginal oh, birth no, not really. um, but oh my gosh it is absolutely amazing and sort of now your three months postpartum and processing that has it sunk in that that's what happened yeah it has now I think yeah it's just
1: I think looking back I just keep thinking wow like um I felt it at the time but also um not but I just think wow how lucky I think when we got mm-hmm. home I really underestimated what our oh, recovery Oh hello um what are that, recovery? Was sure, that was not <laughs> sharp yeah, that was that was crazy for the record. Um beg <laughs> your pardon. Um yeah no when I was planning for the cesarean, I think me and Ben both really underestimated um how much go, go, go it is when you get home with twins. And Mm -hmm. we had a double story house and just a lot of factors we didn't think about. And I think, um, that's where I was like, wow, it's really lucky that I was able to have a natural birth and have a really good recovery, um, from that. Because again, I didn't really have to have like an episiotomy or tear or anything like that. So, um, it was really, really lucky in that way. So I just feel so grateful that I was, yeah, I just defied all odds for me. I really did not think, Mm -hmm. um, it would be such a smooth experience, but it really, really was. Um, if anything, yeah. afterwards, what came afterwards was getting the placentas out and the um, spinal wearing off, and that was really rough. I was in the stirrups and in the room for another hour and a half. The girls had gone. Ben was up with them, and um, they were talking about putting me under. And I lost one point three liters of blood, so that was that. All that that came afterwards was was the most rough experience from the birth, um, and I had to have a balloon in and. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah it was I was really out of it afterwards like when I got to actually enjoy the girls I was just completely um the color had gone from my face I couldn't really um enjoy them straight away I had to kind of have a rest first and and sleep um before I could
0: and I couldn't breastfeed
1: like I couldn't try the breastfeeding thing straight away either because again I was just um I was actually really vomiting I was so sick after the spinal Wore off, and I think losing all that blood. Um, so yeah. I was being milked, my colostrum, and I just kind mm. of went with it. And then I had to wait a few hours before I could actually have proper cuddles and really enjoy the girls. Mm. Yeah.
0: And you did mention the balloon, and people were like, what sort of balloon is that? Basically, it's a back read balloon. So Sha had a postpartum hemorrhage um, because was there a delay getting the placentas out?
1: There was, yeah, and. Uh, they told me afterwards, I don't know, again, I'm not very medical, but they said that um, the way that they did it isn't usually a way that they would have done it. Um, usually you go under for that. Um, and I know that the anaesthetist, mm-hmm. sorry, I can never say that, probably. Um, she was getting really nervous. She was kind of next to them being like, right, are we going to put her under? Are we not? What are we doing? Because um, she yeah. knew that all the pain relief yeah, was wearing off. It was wearing
0: off. Yeah. And so they would have given you lots of medications to stop that bleeding. And that's often where that nausea feeling comes comes from and the vomiting and the shakiness. Um there's the side effects of the uterotonics that we give. But that balloon that was placed in your uterus basically for people listening that have no idea it's called a Bakri balloon and what that's doing is putting pressure on the placental site. So if you sort of imagine like a big balloon and then putting another balloon in the middle and blowing it up, it's going to put pressure on you know, that inside area where that placenta used to embed and constrict all the blood vessels, so to prevent bleeding. But they fill it up with a lot of water in there and it just sits in the uterus usually for about 24 hours.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then they gave me lots of gas when I got to get it pulled out. (laughs) Um, Yeah, yeah, no, so um, I had a lot of ice packs after that and, um, yeah, a lot of pain relief in the hospital, but... Um, again, really lucky because the girls were good weights. Um, yeah, we were in hospital for four days, but it was kind of the day after, like the first day that they were in the world. That was really, really hard for both Ben and I, because um, when they came out, we were like, "Oh, Rosie's the talkative one. You know, she's really chatty," and because she was making a lot of noises, and we just thought they were baby noises, but she was grunting a lot, and mm-hmm. um, we didn't realize. But in the first day, the midwives were monitoring them, monitoring Rosie quite a lot, um, and. We had a few comments here and there, um, just saying, you know, we're monitoring her, we um may have to give her antibiotics, we're not really sure yet. And again, we just kind of like, Yep, yep, no worries, didn't really take it in um or know what the gravity of that all was. Um and then we were obviously running on no sleep either because because we had a midnight delivery. So um yeah, Rosie was twelve thirty at night until he was twelve thirty-six and then we by the time we got back to the birthing speed it was about three AM. Um, we probably got an hour and a half to two hours because the midwives took the took the girls from us and let us have a little sleep um and then brought them back Mm -hmm. in and then we just yeah hadn't slept that was the only sleep we'd really gotten um and then the next night just before it was about six o'clock um they said look we're gonna have to take Rosie to special care um on the other side of the hospital and give her antibiotics so we're gonna have to put um yeah that in her little um
0: the cannula. The cannula yeah. in your
1: hand and yeah, pump her with some antibiotics um and keep her there for two nights. So, um, because we were running off no sleep and then hearing that news at the end of the day, um, it was just, yeah, met with lots of emotions. We were really emotional about it. Ben was really, really emotional, I'm sure he won't mind me saying, but yeah, he was um really took didn't take that very well. Um, and he was just really, really worried. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, we had to leave Tilly um, in the postnatal ward and we both took Rosie over to um, special care. And then that, that, there they were like, look, we would, we don't think you should be in the room for me, give her the antibiotics. It's just not really a nice thing for first-time parents to see their little baby um, go through. And, yeah, Ben was just super emotional and I kind of held it together because I was really trusting. I was like, you know, they know what they're doing. Yeah. It's going to be okay. Um, I knew I wasn't going to get any sleep that night anyway because um, I was having to, yeah, going to be delivering my colostrum to Rosie. um by a wheelchair because i couldn't i couldn't walk after my birth obviously and i um was going to be having to do trips to feed both girls and i said to ben you need to go home and get a really good sleep tonight and just yeah come in first thing tomorrow and refresh for, yeah yeah just go go rest and um and yeah take it all in and just you know have a moment to yourself and mm. um he was, yeah, he just didn't want to leave us either. I think he was just really emotional. And then, but it was the oh, best thing. Yeah. And he came back the next day and was like, I'm so glad that you said that. And you kept it more together yeah. than I did because he said that, yeah, it was really, really good. And then it was great for me because I was exhausted the next day and I got to really sleep while he was around. And um, and then Rosie, yeah, was actually, she was going to stay there for two nights and then she only ended up doing one. She came back with us the second, at the end of the yeah. second night. So, yeah. um that was really lucky again but yeah just a bit of a scare
0: yeah and it's never like no one wants mums to be separated from their babies and no one expects their babies I mean there was always a potential given twins and you knew that but it's never a nice thing when it's actually happening especially when you've got one baby with you and one baby not and just that mum guilt of not being able to have them both together I'm sure would have been in full swing yeah Um, a lot of that and like the midwives
1: were great they were like oh you know We'll take the claustrum to Rosie if you want, but I was like, no, no, I'll I'll go because it was so strange having one of the girls with me that first night, um, and not both the girls. So yeah, mm. I, but um, Tilly is also having her like they call it the second night, I think, when the baby's just really unsettled. So she was just screaming the house down as well back there. So, um, yeah, that was it was really hard that first night.
0: Yeah. And that sort of leads me to one of my last questions: Is what do you think has been your biggest challenge in the last three months postpartum? So
1: postpartum, um, I would say feeding has been definitely a journey. Yeah. Um, I had bought every feeding pillow under the sun. I thought, you know, <laughs> I have twins. I'm going to tandem straight away, and that'll be easy, and yeah. it'll be fine. I'm sure a lot of mums um, think the same thing. Like breastfeeding is going to be, you yeah. know, really come really naturally. And I was definitely in that um cool and yeah because they were so little and um you know it's such a learning anyway they would take a really long time to feed and um they were just so little and and not really strong enough I think yet to really do that quickly yeah they tie really quickly we had to keep you know waking them up and um it was just a really long process and tandem I did try it with one of the lactation consultants in the hospital um but again she was like tandem feeding at this stage isn't you tandem feeding your babies it's you and your partner so she's like you're gonna need your partner to you know hold your nipple hold the baby and we did do it a couple of times at home because we were just really persistent with it and then got to the stage where I was like this is just too hard um and then yeah it took us a long time to get here but um now that the girls it's probably around the eight week mark like two months um they grasped tandem really well and we were able to get there I was actually thinking about selling all my pillows and stuff because I was like oh it's not going to happen and then One day I just tried it and they just gotten a bit bigger and stronger and that was really, really good. Um, So it worked worked out for us in the end. But, yeah, I've tried everything under the sun, mixed feeding, exclusive pumping, um, everything, but navigating um, milk supply. Like I had mastitis three times. I had it the second week I got home really, really bad. And um, that was really hard with twins. Ben's mum came and moved in with us for the night um, so that I could just get rest and wake up and pump, which was, yeah, amazing, but because I just was completely out with that um, and that was really rough, you know, because you you get home with these two pe- humans that you've got to keep alive and it's really overwhelming and um, as it would be with one as well. But, yeah, we were just to get struck down with mastitis week two um, was, yeah. pretty, was pretty rough. Um, so that was yeah. definitely a challenge. I think, yeah, the breastfeeding journey has been been a big one.
0: And what a credit to you, though, that you're now tandem feeding them and you've persisted and you tried um, because – you're doing it, and a lot of mums don't do that because it's too hard. And breastfeeding is really hard. And I think I highlight that often on the podcast that you know, really, no babies just get on and feed well straight away, no. and then put two into the mix.
1: And every baby it's, is so different.
0: Yeah. Um, like
1: the perfect so
0: example of that,
1: like the twins are completely different. Tilly was a great latcher straight away. Rosie wasn't. Um, So, yeah, it was just a lot of learnings, figuring them both out. I definitely understand why it's called the fourth trimester. You're really working out your baby and, you know, working. (laughs) And also you're learning more new things about yourself and your body because you feel so different in a lot of ways as well. So, Mm. um, yeah, no, we were really lucky that we got there. But I think as well for any twin mums expecting, like, don't put that pressure on yourself either that because I found I was following, as soon as I found out I was pregnant twins, I followed so many twin influencers and just anyone I could get info from. I just wanted to know other people's experiences and what they did. And just, um, yeah, I didn't have a lot of friends and family around me who had had twins. So um, I was trying to find any info. And I wanted to it to be relatable information. So I was trying to find people on Instagram. And almost everyone I saw did tandem, So That's why I think I had this perception of, oh, yeah, I need all the pillows. I'm going to be able to do this from day dot. It's all going to be good. But um and I was really lucky that we ended up being able to but I just yeah didn't it was a long road a lot of
0: practice it
1: does and it takes just time patience and it wasn't until like my mother-in-law did say to me one day why don't you just try breastfeeding because I think I was mourning because I was exclusively pumping for about six weeks and I was like oh I'm really sad that you know I'm not gonna have that breastfeeding experience sometimes I feel that sadness and she was like why don't you just try it and see how they go now and I did. And so I did one baby at a time and I was like, oh, I think they're getting it. And with Rosie, it was just simple as she didn't like the, I guess, what do you call it, the across the stomach position? Yeah,
0: the cross cradle.
1: Yeah, which is like what I just assumed every baby liked. She likes the football hold more. So um, it just turned out I wasn't really having her in the right positions. Um, And then, yeah, we eventually got there, but it just took a lot of time. So um, Yeah, and
0: learning. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And... I have one more question for you and I think it just highlights some of the things that you said that it was really hard to find relatable um, like situations to being a twin mum. There's a lot of singleton mums out there and not so many multiple mums out there and it's a lot harder to find that information and I guess reassurance. So, do you have any piece of advice or reassurance or wisdom that you could share for maybe any expecting twin mums out there who are listening to this podcast today.
1: Yeah, for sure. So I'll keep it brief because I know we've been chatting for so long, but um, <laughs> I've got a couple of little things. So my first one is um, just based off my experience, and that is pack your hospital bag early because you just never know with twins <laughs> when you're gonna go. I was pretty late. My midwife in my uh, later appointments were like, Has you pa- "Have you packed your bag yet? Have you packed your bag?" And I was like, "No, but I'm gonna do it when I'm mat leave, and you know it's all good." And she was like, "Do it." Um, and yeah, you just never know um, when you're gonna go with twins. So I just think do it there's no um judgment if you do it early just do it whenever um and my second one is funnily enough um for me it's so strange but in my work um team so i work in a comms team of about 30 people and i was actually the seventh person to fall pregnant with twins so my big boss was like well there's something in our water but um for me finding out I was pregnant with twins, I reached out to all the twin parents and I was like, hey, any advice, please? I'm all ears, like send me everything. And a lot of people did send me some really good little, you know, tips and tricks and from their experiences. Um, And then one of the twin dads actually said to me, and it sounds a bit cliche, but it really was the best advice. And that is, he just said to me, he was like, look, Charlotte, I could tell you a lot of stuff from our experience, but he was like, the best advice for a twin parent is no advice every baby is so different um, and, you know, what worked for us might not work for you and every, you know, whatever you do, if you feed on demand, if you're routine driven like me and Ben are or, um, you know, you as a parent you're going to do something that fits into your lifestyle as well. Um, it's got to fit into your, yeah, what you're used to doing as well. So um, I really do think, you know, feel empowered, you've got this, you're going to go into just, go mode um, there's something in your brain that will just switch and you'll be fine you'll you'll just deal with it in the way that you know how um, and you know like I said with the girls it was just they're so different it just took a lot of time to figure them out and um, yeah I really do think it's again I am conscious it sounds a bit cliche and just you'll be fine so I said I think the best advice is
0: no advice you got this you did a lot of preparation so you had a lot of cards up your sleeve ready to go and although my class <laughs> was tailored to an elective cesarean hopefully from other information that you gathered and some of the things from that class you were still able to feel prepared and calm and reassured for your journey ahead and Shah you are absolutely incredible like you've got Rosie in your arms right now and you've had her in your arms for the last like 25 minutes and you've got one asleep, you're on time for this podcast recording today, you're doing such an amazing job. And I hope you realize that because one baby is challenging enough, let alone two, and you are just handling it with such grace that I hope you can recognize that within yourself that you are doing such a bloody good job.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Mon. That's so lovely. It's funny. I think I was saying to you before we started recording, I was like, oh, I'm actually on time today and had time to make a tea. But if you saw me yesterday, um, yeah. morning was complete shambles. Every day is just so different. Um, and, yeah, it is the, when people ask me how I'm going, I'm like, it's busy but it's beautiful. It's the best mm. um, having multiples. Um, and actually one little thing I will say as well is, you know, don't let, as a twin parent, don't let any negative comments um get you down it's quite interesting um when you have multiples a lot of people I don't think they mean to be you know negative but a lot of people are met with mm. oh gosh like you know we were told so you're many gonna times be busy. Your
0: life's
1: over. Yeah. yeah and your life's yeah. over and um I remember telling someone I was getting capsules and they're like why are you getting capsules you're never going to leave the house like you know things like that and I I was pretty relaxed throughout my pregnancy but then I'd have these little waves of anxiety like oh god am I not taking this um seriously enough or you know am I not thinking this through but all that would have done is just created unnecessary fear um mm. and yeah I think um like I said like you've got this don't let don't let those comments um make you feel stressed out or nervous um because you'll yeah. you'll make it work um absolutely oh, there was also something it was just mm. more around partner support because I what's really interesting I'm not a very political person but um in Victoria the government don't consider. Um, twins multiple births, which is bizarre because multiple definition is like more than one. So for mm-hmm. Ben, he didn't get any parental leave. I was really lucky. We were very fortunate in that he could take unpaid leave um, to have support. Um, but I think, yeah, partner support's a really big one for the start of, you know, I just don't know what I would have done without him in that time. And, you know, it's just pretty crazy that you don't get that, any additional support, you know, in terms of leave or just, financially or anything like that um but I was going to say even if you're a single twin parent expecting um just yeah take support from family and friends or anyone in your network wherever you can because um it's definitely neat you know you'll just need it wherever you can find it so
0: it's definitely important and support you wouldn't be able to do it without other people like it just highlights you need your little village of people to help raise children and unfortunately today's society we don't always enable that
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: well Shah thank you so much for today and for sharing your story I hope if there's any twin mums out there you know questioning what type of mode of birth that they want or you know feeling a little bit anxiety ridden I hope Shah's story has made you feel reassured and that it is definitely possible to have an empowering vaginal birth thank you so much Shah for coming on yeah. and sharing your story <laughs>
1: <laughs> um no thank you so much for having me and um yeah it's probably good timing I think the girls are ready to have a bit of play and up and to be. Yeah. um but no thank you so much um for having me and yeah I hope in the midst of my newborn brain fog I was able to articulate everything well enough um but yeah it's really lovely to come
0: on you've done an amazing job thank you thanks sharp bye, bye. thank you for listening to today's episode of midi Your support means the absolute world to me. So if you loved this episode and want to stay up to date with the latest interviews and midwifery education, please hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star review. For further information about this episode, please check the show notes below. If you wish to share your pregnancy and motherhood experience, you can get in touch with me by emailing hello at the and find us on Instagram at at themidisociety or at Monique underscore Maitland. I cannot wait for you to join me next week. I'll be talking all things flap chat. Was that my hands or my flaps? I'll let you decide. In the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week. And remember you're doing the best you can.